This is a free download from Delancey Healing Church. We meet every Sunday at 10.30 in Delancey Healing Church building at the Banks St. Samson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us or free downloads, please visit our website at delanceyhealing.co.uk. Is there anybody amongst you who likes a bit of retail therapy? I see one or two nodding. Oh, Margaret, you don't. Oh, right, okay, okay. Well, I'm going to start talking about shopping. Why not? I always seem to come up with weird titles and weird starts to talks, don't I? And then eventually I get somewhere. So if you just bear with me, I will. Honestly, there is something towards the end. (laughs) Bear with me. Um, In a supermarket... We have products to sell. Some sell like proverbial hotcakes and you hardly need to try at all. Others are a little bit more difficult. But the, the hotcake type items, they might be, in my case, Jaffa cakes. Never walk past a queue of uh, a, a rack of Jaffa cakes. It might be hot cross buns at Easter time. It might be ice cream. It may even be bottles of wine. But the point is here that um, you know, those things you'll find very prominent within the supermarket. Other things are less popular and they need a bit more effort. They need to be reduced, they need to be put on special shelves right in front of you so you literally fall over them. And they're put on displays, uh, you know, right inside the door. So we as consumers are uh, nudged towards making the choices that the supermarket wants us to make. they affect the way the products are brought to us because they study us. They reduce the prices to make us think that they're better value, so we should have them. They put them on the racks right inside the door. They put massive notices on them saying that they're today's special. And they wrap them in bold colours. You often see golds or blues or whatever uh, there. And they try and... uh, get you to buy them and basically any trick to get you to buy them is is what they do. Now I'm not suggesting there's anything wrong with that. Then of course we go into the whole area of the bog off. Everybody knows what the bog off is. Buy one, get one free. Yeah. Two for one, three for two, 50% off, 100% off. That one always confuses me actually, the 100% off, because when I went to school, it was a few years ago now, but when I went to school, 100% off or 100% of something, was all of it. But you try walking in the shop and grabbing one of those and walking out and see what happens. You don't get very far. They won't give you something for nothing. What this actually does is it gets you to buy something that you don't actually need. Truthfully, that's what the boggles do. Very often you can go in in uh, cupboards and shelves afterwards and find that you've got lots of the bog-off items sat there that you've never got round to using. Do you know, it's a fact that a third of the world's food goes into refuse. Isn't that an incredible fact when you look at every day, every year on the television we see people starving in this world? Even in these developed countries, even in Guernsey, we have people who can't find food enough 
and yet we as a population of the world are throwing away one third of what we buy. That is frightening. Even more frightening is that the the studies that are being done are showing that that figure by 2030 is going to rise by a further 44%. Not two 44%, a further 44% on top of what's wasted now. And I find that frightening. So we're being kind of, we're being uh, encouraged, if you like, to overbuy and go in directions we don't need to. Then, of course, there's the supermarkets themselves. They've got their loyalty schemes. They've got their free coffees, free newspapers, if you spend five quid or whatever it might be. They've got other incentives, double divvy, obviously the one that everybody knows, I would have thought. I can still remember to this day my my mum's co-op number, but I can't remember ours for love nor money. (laughs) This gets ever so cross, because if I ever go in the co-op with her, the the lady will say, what's your your number? And I'll say, 12052, and she'll say, no, it isn't. So she gets all, no, she doesn't really get cross with me, but... It's funny how those things stick in your mind, having been sent to do the shopping when you were a youngster. So what the shops try and do is they try and set themselves apart from all the other options, all the other offers, if you like, by uh, providing different ideas. They're encouraging you to believe that they are the best, aren't they? They're trying to get you to buy into that dream by value, by service, really by any means. As long as you believe that they're the place to shop, you'll keep going back there. Then they need you to believe that rather than their profits, the real reason they're interested in you is because they want the best for you. Yeah? That's what they're trying to get you to believe. When actually, really, in reality, all they want you to do is carry on doing your shopping there every week. Now, I'm an ex-retailer myself. That's how I start in my my career so I can stand up here and say these things because I know and there was a lot of studies that we used to be involved in which checked on the buying habits and customer habits of people so all of these things that I've spoken about already um, they're not just by chance the supermarkets every time you use your your cards your loyalty cards particularly they are studying exactly what the patterns are and they're then using those patterns to uh, put the right sort of offers in front of you and in fact the future is is kind of virtually emailing you and saying your shopping list this week should have this on it. That's, that's where it's coming to. They're talking about fridges and freezers that, that even have um, automatic uh, sensors in them so that when you take something out of the fridge it puts it back on your shopping list that you'll have to buy it next week. So just imagine that. Now I'm not suggesting for a minute that the retail industry is driven by the devil but there are some lessons that I'd like us to just look at and, and, and learn about this morning. Um, in their efforts to divert you from, from your real needs they possibly turn you into selfish wants. You know, you want those ex- extra packet of Jaffa cakes, you want those extra special offers when in reality you just don't need them. And the sad thing is, when we talk about a third of food going in the bin, you know, a lot of these things are driven by the fact that there are people who have got too much and there are people that have got nothing. And that's something worth thinking about, maybe. But in the end, it's what's in the package that counts. And I think that goes for more than supermarkets, doesn't it? I think what's in our package is what counts. What we've got in us 
is where the real value is, not the outside, you know, cardboard box. Okay? It's what's in us that's where the real value is. So, okay, I've spent the first few minutes talking about retail therapy, and you must be asking yourself by now, however is Tim going to get to any sort of a point on this? And in particular, how is he ever going to bless us with anything from, from this position? Well, I'll try. <laughs> Firstly, I have to tell you this morning that I really believe that we have to make a conscious decision not to see God as a retailer. Right? That's the comparison I want you to draw. You see, he isn't going to wrap salvation up in some fancy uh, wrapper to make you see it. That's not what he's about. He's not going to put special offer signs on it. And he's not going to stick it right under your nose. However, I just want to dwell there for a second and say, salvation is only ever a few words and a recognition from you away. And that's the difference. But God will never force it on you unwillingly. That is something God will never do. And he doesn't need to put it on the shelf by the door because you will know when you need to find it. You will go in knowing you, your time is right. Secondly, and very importantly, we need to decide whether we are consumers. On this very point, we need to decide whether we are consumers. Are we going into God's shop, and excuse that phrase for a moment, but God's shop, expecting him to wrap it to suit us? Are we expecting him to change his position to suit us? Are we expecting him to make it a little bit more palatable for us? So, so a bit easier, because, you know, it's too easy to come to church, to come in that door and think, I want it my way. But it's God's way. And that's the point. We need to come into this church, we need to come into this relationship God's way, not our way. When we're trying to do it our way, we're, we're getting it wrong. There's nothing wrong with receiving from God and wanting to receive from God, but my message this morning is very clear. The way to receive from God is first to get to a position of repentance. Let's not, let's not kid ourselves. We need to come to a position of saying to God, God, I come here, I'm imperfect, and I need you. We, we, we can't fool ourselves that we come perfected. We don't. And we come as children, we come as people who are sinful people, and we lay ourselves before God, and through his grace, he brings us to salvation. So we can't ask God to wrap it up like the supermarkets. We can't ask God to put it on the shelf right in front of the door because we don't want to be bothered to walk that bit further, think that bit deeper, open up ourselves. We need to come to a point of repentance and say, God, I know I'm not worthy, but I want you. See, it's all too easy to come as a consumer and start judging on the basis of how we want to see it how, it, how we want it to suit us. How many times have we stood in church, and forgive me if this applies to you, but I literally, you know, I, I know this is a, a fact, but I'm not looking to kind of point at anybody. In fact, I always say that I'm pointing more at myself than I ever have anything else. But how many times do we stand in church and we say, the music's too loud, 
the songs aren't to suit me, the heating's too hot, the chair's too, too hard, or, or the, dare I say, the word's going on too long. <laughs> These are things where we're trying to turn the, the, the church into us being the consumers. We haven't got that right. It's God's church and he will use God's church as he sees fit and we have to come in in a spirit of repentance, a spirit of accepting what God is bringing to us and not try and change it to suit us. And until we do that, we are limiting what God can do. The devil is stealing your attention all the time. The devil is stealing your attention. He's taking your concentration off the Lord because he knows when he does that, he lessens the effect that God can use. You are an amazing person in God. Each and every one of you is an amazing person in God. When God fills you with his spirit, he can do amazing things through you. Things that you can't even imagine. But when the devil has his chance, he will take your concentration off God. The devil, by taking your attention away, is making you an alternative offer. But I just come back to the supermarket bog-off for a minute. It gets you to buy something you don't need. And sometimes, what's seen the best offer ends up in the rubbish. With God, there are no tricks. There's no tricks. With God, what he offers... What he brings remains the same. What God brings is exactly the same today as it's always been. He brings salvation, he brings truth, he brings honesty, he brings absolute love and nothing you can do can separate you from that if you only embrace it. So I finally get to my point, however many minutes in. You see, what we give God is only ever an offer. But what God gives us back is always a promise. God's promise remains firm. His promise today is as strong as it's ever been, as I've already said. What we need to bring him is our offer of repentance. And we need to trade that in. You know, in the Bible, the word offer occurs 400 times. And in every single case, it is referring to an offer being given to God. Right? An offer being given to God. Okay, in the Old Testament, in, the, in terms of sacrifice being brought on the, on the altar. Um, and we're kind of moved on a bit from then, aren't we? I think people would look at us a bit strange if we started uh, killing calves on the, on the altars and things again. But, um, you know, the, the, the point is, that the offer, it's a very positive thing because God is using what we can offer. He knows exactly what we are and he knows exactly what we're not but he wants to take the best that we can offer and he wants to multiply it with his promise and we have to bring that to him. So the definition of offer is to present or proffer something or for someone to accept or reject as desired. 
And I want to draw your attention to the difference between that and the, and the definition of promise, which is a declaration or assurance that one will do something or that a particular thing will happen. You see the difference? One is an offer, one is going to happen. One thing you can be absolutely certain is, you throw your heart and soul behind God, he will change you, he will empower you, he will use you. Let us look at this in the Bible in action. 2 Peter 3.9, first of all. You can turn with me if, if you wish, I'll, I'll read out each of the verses anyway. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Nobody is exempt. Nobody is outside the criteria. Nobody needs to lose out. See, what the devil offer you is just that. It's an offering. Well, God's offer is actually a promise. Ultimately, the devil cannot give you salvation. He, what he offers you is a hollow promise because he cannot deliver on it because ultimately God's in control. So God's love and God's grace grants you salvation. So when we step in the front doors and we come into worship and thank him for what he does or simply look, are, are we thanking him for what he does or are we simply looking for an offer? You see what I'm getting at? Is this a pe- you following me, what I'm getting at here? Do we want God um, to kind of suit us um, or are we coming to really worship God? Do you know what I mean? Coming in that door, we need to come in in a spirit of worship, a, a spirit of thanks. What we don't want to be doing is walking in that door saying, I hope God turns up for me today. Oh, I hope that God fills me today. I hope this. What you do when you come in that door and you decide to throw yourself into worship, really give yourself to it, you allow the Lord a route into you to empower you and fill you with his promises. Isn't that right? See, all we've got to trade is a sinful past. Whether we've been Christians for five minutes five years or 50 years, we still have a sinful past. Every week, we have a sinful past. Let's be honest. There's nobody who's going to sit in, in here today and not accept that we, we make mistakes every week, every day. And yet, God is so amazing that you come in that door and we've got nothing other than that sinful past to trade with him and yet he'll take it every day of the week. He'll take it. He will give you a completely new start, a completely new model, if you like, and trade that in there and then. No questions asked. There aren't a whole questionnaire of processes to go through or <coughs> excuse me, um, issues to, to uh, deal with. It is a matter of coming to a, a recognition, a repentance that I have sinned, God. Please take that and use it because we are going to do that. And I just want to say to you, if you have been a Christian a long time, 
Don't allow yourself to be taken away from this point. Don't allow the, the devil to kind of, you know, drag you gradually away from that recognition because every single time we come in here, we have to give ourselves to the Lord. You know, otherwise we just get further and further away. And, and, and I just don't want that for, for anybody. And the Lord doesn't want that for anybody. He wants to grow your relationship with him. He doesn't want to see you separated from him. When we give ourselves to God, it must be the best. We must really mean it. We must really, really mean it. And if we want to give of ourselves, because God unbelievably, due to his immense love, every single time you do that, he takes it and he multiplies it and gives it straight back to you in his promise. That's not, that's not me just saying that. Come on, we've all got examples of it, haven't we? How many times have, have we come here feeling tired, sad, ill, whatever and we go home infused and, and, and full of it because God every single time we come in repentance he gives us that promise back and he energises us if a shopkeeper doesn't use the stock he's got what happens is over time it becomes less valuable and then he's got a problem because he can't get rid of it we have to recognise that our relationship with God needs to be used. If we come in here half-heartedly, if we aren't making the best use of our relationship with God, there's a danger that it becomes less valuable. There's a danger that, you know, we come less connected with God. When in fact what we want and what God wants is to reconnect us every day and empower us through that relationship. All he wants is a fatherly, loving relationship with you that he can pour out on you every day, every time. <coughs> Let's just take a look at what the consequences of going down that track are. And Mike, I don't know if you've got that uh, one uh, Malachi 1 there that you can put up. But what we're going to see here is the shoddiness of Israel's worship as a result of externalism where they were concerned about the appearance of the surface things rather than the substance of what they were doing. They dishonoured God by offering him in the temple different kinds of blemished, inferior and indifferent sacrifices. A son honours his father and a servant his master. Then if I am a father, where is my honour? And if I am a master, where is my respect? Says the Lord of hosts to you. O priests who despise my name, but you say, how have we despised your name? You are presenting defiled food upon my altar. But you say, how have we defiled you? In that you say, the table of the Lord is to be despised. But when you present the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you present the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Why not offer it to, it to your governor? Would he be pleased with you? Or would he receive you kindly, says the Lord of hosts? Try offering the trash you offer God to a human being, a person in authority, and see if it will fly. So it's very different times, but the message is simple. The message is they were not giving their best to God. They were going to the altar and they were not giving their best. We need to give our best to God so that he can multiply upon your best to give it back to you. I think this is a... a, a a good portrait, if you like, of uh, shoddiness uh, in the name of religion. 
We can come in the door to give ourselves to God, but in my opinion, at least, it's a folly to only give yourself half-heartedly to God. Because God knows you. God knows you inside out. And if he thinks that you're there only giving partially of yourself, for me, that's a folly. In Colossians 3.23, Paul says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So when we walk through that door, we leave behind the world, we leave behind all the pressures that the the devil and everybody else has tried to put on you, if you like, and we come in and we give it to the Lord like like this is the first day of our relationship with him. We're we're empowered with him. (coughs) When we live with God, we don't live on offers. We live on promises. We claim God's promise. We don't take a chance on an offer and see how it works out. We claim God's promise that is real. And the Holy Spirit is the mechanism by which his promise is delivered and is available to you every day. The Holy Spirit was promised through the prophets. It goes through a few verses. Until the, until the Spirit be poured upon us from on high and the wilderness be a fruitful field and the fruitful field be counted for a forest, then judgment shall dwell in the wilderness and righteousness remain in the fruitful field and the work of righteousness shall be peace and the effect of righteousness quietness and assurance forever and my people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation and in sure dwellings and in quiet resting places. That's Isaiah uh, 32, 15 to 18. So God promises these things. Ezekiel 11, 19 to 20 And I'll give them one heart I'll put a new spirit within you I will take the stony heart out of your flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they might walk in my statutes and keep mine ordinances and do them and they shall be my people and I will be their God. Again, a promise. Not an offer, a promise. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon the seed and my blessing upon thine offspring and they shall spring up among the grass as willows by the watercourses. Isaiah 44, 3, 4. So then, who, who is this promise for? Is it all of us? Is it some of us? I want to say to you this morning, it's every single one of us, and it's every single one of the people out there. Difficult to understand that, isn't it? But it's every single one of the people out there, and I'm talking about the world, not just Kenzie. It's every single person out there. If only they could see it. Peter said to them, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sin, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That's Acts 2, 38-39. So it is for everybody. It's for everybody. But the amazing thing about that, and really, really important, I think, 
is when we come in, when we've made that choice, we need to carry on claiming it, because that tells us there, there's a promise for our family. Do we want to not claim it, and not see our family come to know Jesus Christ? We want to claim it, we want to get in here, we want to give it to the Lord, and allow him to multiply that, and use it, and that will bring our families, and our friends, and the people around us to know. You see, the thing is, at the end of the day, God sees what other people don't. (coughs) We've been called as people to reflect God's perfections, and he'll be satisfied with nothing else but that. But, he loves and accepts you, just as you are. He's pleased that we're coming to him in faltering moments, that we're not perfect. Because if we wait till we're perfect, we're not going to get there. That's why God is like he is. He just loves us so much, but he knows what he can use us for. So he who begins a work in you will carry, carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That's from Philippians 1. So his promise is you don't need to wait till you're perfect. All you need to do is actually decide you're going to head in that direction. All you need to decide is repent on where you are now and start moving in that direction with God. See, we do have choices. We do have choices. We can come into a relationship with God through the church, through the church family, but we don't have the right to have it wrapped up to suit us. We don't have the right to try and get everyone else to change things because it will make it easier for us. This relationship with God is about a true, transparent relationship with God. He already knows you, so there is no point in trying to come through that door and try and get him to change to you. You need to change, to come to him. You need to come to repentance and say, Lord, I I know, I make mistakes, I still make mistakes, and I do that every single day, but Lord, I just come to you, I repent of that, and I want a relationship with you. I want to love you, Lord, and I want to see what you can do through me because I'm going to love you. That is what the relationship's about. Most importantly, there's this, I've got this word, entropy. If anybody doesn't know entropy means, which you probably don't because I didn't have a clue what it was, but I saw this word and thought, wow, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll get them in training for the quiz. That's what I thought. <laughs> By the way, that's the 30th of May. <laughs> uh, lack of order or predictability, gradual decline into disorder is what entropy means. If we're not careful, I'll go back to my point, if we're not careful how you sustain your relationship, how you look to grow your relationship, how you look to come in and be infused by the Lord, you could be accidentally, not realising, going backwards and slipping into the clutches of the devil. That is not what we want. We want to come in, we want to be infused, enthused, the whole thing. See, when we stop and think, I'm sure everybody has got a list of people who they used to know. <coughs> Probably been quite good friends. You know, used to go out to dinner maybe, used to, to, I don't know, do sports or whatever. And when you stop and actually think about it, you've lost touch with these people. Why have you lost touch with these people? Let me ask you that question. And I know the answer, so I'm not going to wait for you to tell me. <laughs> the answer is that 
unfortunately, you stopped investing in the relationship with them. And when you stopped investing in the relationship with them, and it might be for legitimate reasons, they might be, you know, moved on to other things, but that relationship gradually declines, doesn't it? And yet, when we actually, you know, invest a bit of time, you know, ring them up and say, oh, I haven't seen you in years, why don't we get together and have a, have a coffee or whatever, you can rebuild it. So my point here is literally that. If we don't actually come through that door and invest our time in the relationship with God, we can't be surprised when God can't actually invest his promises back in us in the, in the mighty way. And yet he is absolutely so keen to do that. He loves you so much that he, he will be appalled at the thought that he can't invest in you. I'm suggesting then that there could be a danger in having spiritual entropy, if you like, um, and that we need to really work on, on that. And we, we need to consciously, daily, to invest in our relationship with God. And he will just bless us, he will pour it out. I was really encouraged this morning, just in the, in the start of the service, because so much was about what God was, was, was wanting to do. And I kind of—I haven't discussed this word with anybody at all, um, and I'm just, just really pleased that, like you know, the messages are consistent. That God is speaking to not just me through the word, but to everybody in the church. And you know, we need to open our ears, guys. We need to listen to what the Lord is saying because when we do that, the Lord can multiply those those messages and those those opportunities. So quality and excellence requires an, an infusion of an intentionality, willingness to intentionally be pleasing to God. <laughs> Just realise that's probably a really rubbish way of saying it. But what I'm trying to say is that, you know, when you walk in that door, you have to intentionally decide to give your best to God. You have to intentionally decide that you are not going to be distracted by the devil. You're not going to be distracted by the fact that you think the music's too loud or the seat's too hard or whatever. That you're going to put all of that aside and you're going to concentrate your efforts on your relationship with God, your worship of God, your repentance to God for what you do, right? And, and allow him, therefore, to absolutely flood his promises back into you. That's where real salvation stands. That's where real salvation stands. God's promise doesn't change, doesn't falter, doesn't fade. His love for you is unending and we must demand of ourselves that same level of commitment to him. Do you not think? You know, if we can't give God that, when you look at all the gifts that God pulls out on us, he sent his son to die on the cross and sometimes we walk in there and we think, can we be bothered? That's, that's, that's pretty bad news, isn't it, really? And I just pray that we, we, can, we can just really come to a realisation that, that our repentance, that is part of our repentance. You know? 
We need to come in, we need to sit down and we need to say, God, I repent of all those things that try and take me away from you. All those effects of the devil that try and uh, distract me from my relationship with you and I just want to get... I want to get right alongside you, God. I want to listen to you. I want to, I want to be like we're in a one-to-one conversation, relationship with you, God. I don't want to get distracted. And you know, the amazing thing about God is when we do that, he just pours out his blessings on you in such a mighty way. It's just incredible. Absolutely incredible. But you know, just as importantly, is we don't do it just for ourselves. When we, when we do that, when we do that, the power of God's prayers, the power of God's blessings, don't just extend to you. His promise is that they extend to the family. They extend to the people around you. They extend to the people you can come into contact with. They even extend to people in the world that we don't even know. So are we, are we not right to get ourselves down to that stage where God can really recognise that our true repentance is there and then he can use us to, get, to reach those people that aren't yet reached. And I don't want to be part of the story that says that it never happened. I want to be part of the story that says there was a miracle started occurring on that day. And I really believe, friends, that, that today Delancey is standing on the edge of miracles, signs and wonders the, the, the way the prayer life of this church has gone, this church is standing on the edge of miracles, signs and wonders, and we need to claim it. Every one of us needs to take our place in belief that if we come in true repentance, if we come and claim that promise from God, he will deliver, and he will deliver way above our expectations. We, we don't want to sit back. We don't want to sit back and just like rely on God to kind of turn up and do the work. We are the workers. We are the servants. When we walk in that door, we are the servants. So we need to come in repentance and we need to serve God and we need to listen and we need to take from God his guidance, allow him to be in control, not us making all the, all the decisions, not us making all the conditions under which we might start talking to him. We need to actually clear our minds and let God talk directly to us and then we will see true, true miracles, signs and wonders working in this place. And I really believe we are on the edge of that. So I'm coming to, coming to an end, but maybe if the musicians can come back. I've got a very short video. It's only a couple of minutes. Um, I'm just, in a few seconds, going to pray as well. I certainly don't want to embarrass anybody today, and, and, and that's the last thing I'd ever want to do. But I would like to encourage you now, in your own moments, just, just to have some prayerful repentance time. You know, just, just give those things to God that, that I, I know, and I mean, Andy, it was interesting, what, what, you know, the word that you got earlier in the service, but I know we as human beings, we sit there with things that we think, we better not say that because other people might not want to hear it or whatever. Now, you haven't got to say anything, all right, because your relationship is with God. But there are things in your lives, I am absolutely sure, there are things in your lives that you have kept from God. And I, I, just now, I just want to say to you, God is here. God is here in this place. God absolutely loves you. He knows everything about you already. But he just needs you to say, look God, 
I'm not holding this back from you anymore. I just want that relationship with you to be even stronger. I want, I want that love. So I come in repentance now. Whatever my thing is, I'm going to give it to you. It, you, you know, just have a few moments of prayer of yourself quietly. You don't need to say anything to anybody. But I just pray that you will just pour that out to him. So you can really unload it from yourself and allow God to just pour in his promise into your life. Because these things, these things from the devil, they are just stopping us reaching the, the levels that we can achieve. just really I can't say to you enough that you need a touch from the Lord you know, you need that closer to relationship, you don't need to leave this place today without taking your chance to just uh, trade in all the things that are wrong about us and have them renewed by the Lord I don't want you to go from this place without that no, you don't need me, it's God that does it it's nothing to do with me at all Right, but if I can be of any help and you'd like to come up and be prayed for fantastic, if you're happy to stay where you are in your seat, that's great but he just loves you so much he doesn't want you to be apart from him and he just wants you to go from this place today infused with his love infused with his spirit and just knowing that you can go to great heights when you are in that relationship with him you you know we limit so much of what God wants to do because we, we look at it in our own imaginations and our own thoughts and we just limit it. And God doesn't have that limitation. God has plans for you that are way beyond your dreams and, and aspirations. And I don't want you to go from this place without taking up that, that challenge, if you like, of coming to repentance and allowing God to really do that. Lord, please hear our prayers of repentance, Lord. Hear our cries for our relationship with you to be stronger. Lord, we acknowledge you as our Lord and as our Saviour and we ask you this day to infuse us with your Holy Spirit. We give you the best we have to offer, Lord. We know that you will build upon that and you will truly make us reflective of you that everyone we meet and everyone we touch in our families, our lives, can come to know you through that relationship. We praise you, Jesus, that with everything that we've ever done, you still keep loving us. Your promises stay true today as ever. And Lord, you just keep pouring out your love upon us. contact someone in relation to this sermon, please call the church on 01481 249 490 or email admin at delanceyhealing.co.uk and someone will pray with you. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Healing Church. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyhealing.co.uk